it is, it is done, it is finished to Telestai, my, my friends, church family. It is finished. How, Pastor Jeff, how am I supposed to go after that and see my notes clearly with the tears that are in my eye? What a privilege that we have to gather together as the body of Christ, recognizing that it is finished. The curse of sin and death has been broken, has been defeated. John 16, 33, I'm writing you these things so that you'll have peace in this world. You will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. Church family, it is finished, and it is because of that, because of the work of our God, we have the great privilege of gathering together to worship as the body, to sit under the teaching of the word today, and together to grow in, further into the image of, of Jesus Christ. Church, it's a great privilege for me to be with you today. My name is Jeffrey Samplaski. I am the student pastor here at Great Hills, and I want to invite you to take your Bibles and go to Ephesians chapter four with me today. Well, church family, um, I wanna start by first acknowledging a couple of things. Um, as you turn to Ephesians chapter four with me, in church family, I wanna, I just wanna share with you today, my heart is just heavy. I come and stand before you today with just a very broken heart. Um, it's just been a really hard week. As, as you probably already know, there's just been a lot of things that have happened through the course of this past week. Um, one of them being, many of you have probably already seen the, the, the SBC, the Southern Baptist, of Con Southern Baptist Convention report that came out, uh, I think it was last Sunday. Um, so a week ago today, um, and just the, the grief and the, the brokenness over that, um, which you'll hear more about that in the days to come as well. Um, but then also the most recent thing that we've seen is the, the shooting in Uvalde, Texas, just a few, few hours from here. I used to go there pretty regularly when I was a student pastor in San Antonio. Um, and, and now we feel just the, the weight of that as we saw just the, the evil that came with that. And now we see just the sheer brokenness as a result. And then I know also along with that, there's many of you that are just walking through some real things. I've talked to a handful of you this week and you're just carrying some, some weight and church family, with that being said, I come to you just with a pretty heavy heart, um, but at the same time, a heart that recognizes that because of the finished work of our God, we can gather and we still can celebrate because the victory is in him. Church family, because of those things, I wanna start this morning before we even get into our time of the word, just by offering you a handful of exhortations. And my hope and my prayer in that is that through the, the difficulties that we've walked through this past week, through the heaviness of the, the week that we've walked through, that our eyes would just be lifted to our victor rather than in just overwhelmed by the, the world that surrounds us. So I wanna give you four exhortations that, that God has given me and then we'll, we'll jump into the word together. So with that, number one, church family, I wanna challenge you to, to mourn with those who mourn. In Romans chapter 12, we see that as believers who are made for another world, we still experience the pains of this world that we live in right now. And we mourn with those who are mourning the effects of evil in this world as we long for the, for the God of the universe to come and take us to be with himself. Even if we can't make sense of the things that are going on around us, we are to be as the body of Christ, those who mourn with, to, to be a people who mourn with those who mourn. Number two, be angry, but do not sin. It's out of Ephesians 4, 26. 
Church family, we should, as the body of Christ, when we see the evil and injustices that surround us in the world, we should be righteously angry at those things as people experience, whether it's us or somebody else experiences the, the weight of the evil in this world. We should be angry, but that is a very controlled anger. That is not a um, just belligerent, losing control kind of anger. So I wanna challenge you, church family, be angry, righteously angry at the sin of this world as we long for our God to come and make it right. Number three, remember that God is on his throne. And he's never forfeited even an ounce of control. Though we may not be able to fully understand the things that are going on around us in this broken world that we live in, church family, our God has never, never forfeited even an ounce of control. And he is working all things for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. So church family, I wanna encourage you with that. And then finally, number four, you are the remedy. Church family, you are the remedy. The world that we live in is wicked. As we're gonna talk about here in just a minute, in fact, the world that we live in isn't just dying because of sin. The world is dead because of sin. It's wicked. The times that we're living in right now is the, the, the timeline of history just continues. We're just seeing just how dead the world is in a very, very clear way. But church family, you are the remedy. What the world needs is a people who are bought by the blood of Jesus who are made alive together with Christ, who are conformed into the image of Christ and who are armed with the gospel. Church family, as the body of Christ, you are the mode that God has graciously chosen to take his gospel that gives life, that heals wounds, that's that balm to the broken soul, to take that gospel to the ends of the earth and to proclaim his life-giving, life-changing, very power of God to save his gospel. Church family, I wanna charge you with that, remember, you are God's remedy. You are the mode that he's given to the world to reveal his son through. Church family, I don't know that I could have, have picked it any better. I didn't have anything to do with it. But as we move into our, our time in the word today, Ephesians chapter four, verses one through six, um, God began to just birth this passage into my heart and just really stir my heart for what this passage teaches um, several weeks ago. And then, of course, we've got the, the difficulty of the world that we're going in, all the difficult things that happened this week. And I don't know that we could see just a, a, a more appropriate passage for this week. And again, I, can't, I didn't have anything to do with it. God did it. But church family, I wanna point you to, as we study in the word today, I wanna point you to God's remedy for the brokenness in this world. And that is his unified church. In fact, the, the title of the sermon today is the gospel-saturated church. My friends, church family, what this world needs is the gospel, it needs gospel-saturated unity within the body of Christ. So church family, let me pray for us and let's study the word together. Heavenly Father, thank you for the day. Thank you for, God, just the privilege of serving you. Father, as we gather together as the body of Christ around your word, your word has the words of life. Where else can we go? Father, the constant tension that's in my heart as I stand up to preach is, Father, I don't wanna lean on my own understanding because if I teach out of my flesh, out of my own wisdom or abilities, I will fail. Because God, these are your people gathered around your word and they need to hear your voice. 
So Father, my prayer today is that I would become less, that you would become more greater, Father, that our eyes would just be set on the gaze of the glory of our God. And Father, I pray that as a result of that, we would look more like Jesus in this world. Father, I pray John 17, even now over this church, that we would be one as you and the Father are one. Be honored and glorified in our time together, in our study of the word, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, church family, I hope you've got your Bibles open with me already to Ephesians chapter four. Again, we're gonna be reading verses one through six this morning, so read with me. It says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility, gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit of the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were once called, called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father over all, who is over all and over all, through all, and in all. Church family, as I read this, this passage throughout the week, um, I, I was so struck by really a, a lot of things, just some amazing, amazing truth that this passage communicates to its hearer, that the Apostle Paul shares with um, the, the church in Ephesus. But one of the things that struck me as so profound and just heavy in this week of all weeks is that as we look at this passage that talks about, um, we're called to humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. I remember reading this passage and just seeing the stark contrast between this passage, what the body of Christ, the church is called to, and what the world looks like. And I remember this, 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 this passage just, just hit me so hard that as, we, as I looked at this and just saw the world that surrounds us and the world is just so vicious. In fact, the world is, it seems like everybody's offended by everything. There's such division in the world that we live in where people are just angry at each other all the time. And the reality of it is, church, that division that we see in the world today can be traced all the way back to the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter three, where Adam and Eve had the gall to look at God and say, I'm God. And as we go through the generations of history, that same thing continues. And today what we see with the division that we see in the world that we live in is one person constantly looking at another and another person looking at another and saying, no, I'm God. I'm God, back and forth, I'm God. Don't rain on my parade, I'm God. You can't oppose me. And I remember thinking just how stark of a difference this passage was from the world that we live in, but church family, Church family, what grieves my heart is that so much of that division that we see in the world has trickled its way into many local churches to the point where we get so used to division at times in our churches. We get so used to that that we begin to look at passages like Ephesians chapter four and think that this is some type of mythical utopia that could never really happen. Church family, my brothers and sisters in Christ, why do we so often, why do I so often, we sell ourselves so short 
of God's best for his people. Church family, what if, as we begin to look at this passage today, we as Great Hills Baptist, I know there are so many people that are represented in this passage, and I'm so grateful for that here at Great Hills. But what if we, as the body of Christ, looked like this in the world that we, we live in? As we, together as the body of Christ, experience humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love, and eager to maintain the unity, um, the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, what if that would be said about us in the onlooking world that knows nothing but, but division would look at something like this and say there's something different about that church? Church family, I am here to tell you, not only is this possible, to experience as the body of Christ, but this is God's desire for his people, that we would experience this. So church family, my prayer this morning has been that we at Great Hills would experience this. Church family, I wanna call you to more. Church family, I wanna call you to enjoy walking with God, to be the people of God that God has called us to be in this world. And it's marked by these things, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit of bond of peace. And out of this passage this morning, church, I wanna offer you three truths about what it looks like to be the unified church. I would encourage you to write these truths down, to take them and measure them up to scripture a little bit later, meditate on them, and then work to apply these truths to your life. I am so convinced that out of this word, out of the, the out of scripture, if we take these things and apply them to our lives, we will experience the things, the great things that God has called us to as the body of Christ, the church. So church family, in order to experience the unity that God has called us to in this world, um, truth number one, we must be a people who are united in our calling. So take a look at verse one with me for just a minute. Verse one in Ephesians chapter four says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. This passage, as I studied through this week and just meditated on just these six verses, verse one captivated my attention. In fact, this morning, we're gonna spend the vast majority of our time looking at verse one, because if we get verse one right, everything else will follow. But on the other hand, if we gloss over verse one in this text and we jump straight into verses two through six, we'll miss the whole point. And I wanna make sure that we don't look at this passage as just sort of an introduction to another section of the book of Ephesians, but instead capture the beauty of it. It says, again, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. So church family, what is that calling? The word calling or walk in that calling is something that just captivated my attention as I studied this week. You see, the book of Ephesians is broken up into two, really two sections. And I love this book. Um, the book of Ephesians is, if I think if, if I could, if push came to shove and I had to pick my favorite book in the Bible, I would probably pick the book of Ephesians. Um, for a lot of different reasons, but one of them being that if you know the book of Ephesians, just within those six short chapters, if you've got a pretty firm grasp of the book of Ephesians, you've probably got a pretty good grasp on the whole Bible, uh, the Bible as a whole. Because as you look at this book, you see all of the major themes that, are, that course through the veins of the entirety of scripture. But I love the way that this book is broken up. So this book is broken up into really two different sections. 
you've got the first three chapters, chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, that all deal with what is the gospel. Um, and then the, the power and the authority, the impact of the gospel in, in chapters one through three. And then starting in chapter four, where we're at today, four through six, really talk about the effects of the, the gospel. How are we as the people of God to live in light of the gospel that Paul just talked about in chapters one through three? And then as I said, the, the, the passage that we're in today, Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, really starts off the second half of this book where Peter, excuse me, Paul is talking about the effect of the gospel. What does it look like to be a people who live in light of the gospel? And what Paul is communicating to us at the very start of our text for today is in light of that, in light of what I just spent three chapters talking about, walk in a manner worthy of that. So it's so incredibly important for us to understand, verse one, the calling that we have as the body of Christ is, is the gospel. In fact, flip over with me to Ephesians chapter two, and I wanna make it absolutely clear that we understand, um, be absolutely sure to make sure that you clearly understand what I'm trying to articulate with when Paul, or about when Paul says, in light of the gospel, which you see in chapters one through three. So go back to Ephesians chapter two, and I'm gonna start in verse one. This is a text that I read all the time with our students, um, and I think it, it, it articulates just the gravity of the gospel. Remember, this is what you're called to as the body of Christ, to live in light of. And starting in verse one, it says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of the flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. Like the rest of mankind. Church family, I'm so grateful that our God didn't just put a period there and call it a day. But instead, in verse four, it starts off with what I tell our students often are my two favorite words in all of the Bible. It says, but God, being rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Church family, that is the gospel. By grace you have been saved. Church family, this is the beauty of the gospel. This is the calling that God is, or that Paul is calling us to walk in light of, that we as fallen humanity traced all the way back to Ephesians chapter, or excuse me, to Genesis chapter three, we were fallen humanity, enemies of God, dead in our sin, but God intervened by way of the cross of Jesus Christ. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love which he loved us, made us alive together with Christ. Church family, that is the gospel that no longer are we called enemies of God, but we're called sons and daughters of God. One of my favorite books is um, it's called Knowing God by J.I. Packer. 
I would encourage you to go read it. It's, it's a pretty heavy read. But one of the things that, that Dr. Packer does in his book is he, he paints the picture of the, the, the nuclear family adopting someone into their family. And the, the way Dr. Packer puts this and explains um, adoption is you have one family that adopts somebody who wasn't previously a part of their family. And through this incredibly compassionate and bold act, they bring somebody who wasn't a part of their family into their family. And as a result of that, that person that was adopted is now a part of their family and therefore worthy of all the benefits of being a part of the family. And Dr. Packer was talking about how this is the same thing that happens in the family of God. We as the people, or we as fallen humanity, were separated from God because of our sin, deserving of the punishment and the wrath of God because of that sin, because he's a just God. But then verse four happens. But God, God intervenes. He steps into human history when we couldn't save ourselves, when we were dead in our sins. And through the cross of Jesus Christ, the substitutionary death at the cross, he gave us a way in the resurrection of Christ, of course, he gave us a way to be made children of God. And it was through the cross that God gave us a way through placing faith in God's finished work at the cross through his son. He gave us a way to be adopted into his family, a people who were previously not a part of his family, now a part of his family. And because of that, because of him, we get to experience all the benefits. Joy in this world. Peace in this world when this world doesn't make sense. Hope in this world when everything around us just seems hopeless. We have hope that our God is faithful and that he's working. But church family, not only does the, the, the gospel have these individual ele elements to it where it brings the individual heart from death to life, but it also has corporate elements. Go with me to Ephesians chapter two, go down just a little bit to verse 11. So Ephesians chapter two, verse, verse 11. It says, therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what, what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at one time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. But now, there it is again, but God, but, God, but now, in Christ Jesus, you who are once far off have been brought near through the blood of Christ. Church family, do you hear the beauty of this? This is what Paul is communicating to the, the church of Ephesus. With the start of Ephesians chapter two, we see a people who are separated from God because of sin. God intervenes in, in Ephesians chapter two, verse four, but God, he steps in by way of the cross makes a way for sinful humanity to be brought into the family of God, therefore enjoy the benefits of it. And then as we continue in Ephesians chapter two, now we see that because of the gospel, we see massive corporate elements affecting not just the people of Israel, but everybody in the vicinity. And what we see in this passage is God making a way for the Gentile people now through the gospel to be included into the family of God. Whereas what we've seen, this is remarkable. What we've seen in, uh, in, in scripture is that ultimately before this, God, God chose to reveal his son through the Jewish people. By, by his infinite wisdom, this is how he chose to, to reveal himself through. 
But when, when Christ came, this gospel was opened up to all different people groups, not just the Jewish people, but now you have the Gentile people who are included into the family of God. This is remarkable because the reality of it is these people shouldn't be hanging out. They're so totally different in, in their heritage and their, their background. But what we see here is that through the gospel, through the power of God to save the gospel, we see God creating a new people, a new race. We see God creating his church. And do you see what happens here? This is remarkable. A little while ago, I talked about how the onlooking world, ultimately what the division in the world comes from is people doing the same thing that we saw in Genesis chapter three. I'm God, I'm God, I'm God. No, I'm God. That's what division comes from. But what God did here through his gospel, what he did on the individual level is at the gospel, he gave us a way to acknowledge and recognize him as God. So we don't have to admit that we're God anymore. We don't have to be God, but rather we relinquish control to the one true God. But the corporate elements to this are remarkable. Whereas these two people groups would live ultimately in division, what the gospel does is cause all of them to recognize him as God. So suddenly there is one family that's not divided by thinking, or one, one people, two people groups that are divided by thinking that they're God but rather they're unified by the fact that they recognize the one true God. Church family, we must be a people who are united as the body of Christ through the fact that we recognize that he is the one true God. Church family, do you see how important the unity of the church is here? This knocked me sideways as I was studying it this week. Do you see how important the unity of the body of Christ is here to our God? He bought it with blood. It is because of the blood of Jesus that we as the body of Christ can gather together rather than looking at each other and saying, my way, no, my way, I'm God, no, I'm God. We can gather together people from different walks of life, different languages, different nationalities, different likes and dislikes. We can gather together under the one banner that he is God. And that changes everything. And that's what Paul is calling us to. Paul is saying, in light of this, in light of the gospel that brings the dead, the previously dead heart to life, in light of the gospel that brings the, the rebel heart into the family of God, in light of the gospel that unifies the church under the one banner that is our God, in light of that, walk worthy of that calling. Amen. How incredible is that? And then Paul continues in our, our passage for today. Go to the second half of uh, verse one, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Here it comes. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. So church family, truth number two that I wanna give you is that as the body of Christ, we are united through our actions. I love that Paul continues this passage by saying, walk in a manner worthy. In other words, this is a continual action is what the, the language of Ephesians chapter four gives us. He, what Paul is not saying is simply remember your calling. He's not simply saying, remember that day, 
But what he is saying is in light of that day that God revealed himself to you through his son on that day, continue to walk in light of that. So church family, do you hear the, the continuing work of salvation here? Paul is communicating to his hearers that we are to continue to walk in light of the gospel as long as we live in this world. And here's what it looks like. We'll treat each other with humility. We'll treat each other with gentleness, with patience. We'll bear with one another in love and we're eager to maintain the unity of the spirit. What Paul is communicating here is he is saying, if you really get the gospel, like if you really get what I communicated to you in Ephesians chapter one, uh, chapter one through chapter three, you'll be united. He's saying, church family, church family, my hearers, if, if, if you really understand the power of my gospel, if you really believe, as Romans tells us, that the gospel is the power of God to save, to create a new race of people who are under the banner of our God, then you'll be, you'll be united. The unity and love of Christians for one another, as Pastor J.D. Greer said, the unity and love of Christians for one another is a natural, organic response created by the gospel. When our hearts are softened to the gospel, by the gospel, we'll treat each other um, with these characteristics. Because the more we look like Jesus individually, the more we'll look like Jesus relationally. Church family, on, an, L, or on a, a, an individual level, if we as individuals understand this gospel, the beauty, the power, the, the mercy, the grace of this gospel that we were bought um, by the blood of Christ, if we understand that individually, it'll show relationally. And we'll treat each other with these things. I love that Paul gives a handful of characteristics of the unified church. And the first one is humility. You can't look at the beauty, the power of the gospel and treat each other with pride. If we truly understand the gospel, humility is the only way that we can treat each other. Church family, the reason that we can treat each other with humility, the reason that we can lower each other and we don't have to... Um, uh, have division within the church, um, again, stemming from I'm God, no, I'm God, I'm God. The reason that we can treat each other with humility is because we've already been justified. And this is the, the beauty of the gospel. We have been justified through Christ. So because of that, because of his shed blood, we can lower ourselves for the sake of, of others. But this flows into everything else, gentleness, patience, Bearing with one another in love. Church family, when we're harsh or impatient with others, it's a clear demonstration that we're not in touch with how gentle and patient our God is with us. Church family, may we be gentle and patient and kind with each other as God was gentle and patient with us. And then at the very end of this text, it says, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit of bond of peace. I was, I was struck when I read that word, eager to maintain, or that phrase, eager to maintain. Eager to maintain um, the spirit of the bond of peace. Do you hear the action that's in that? This, this text is not just 
um, calling us to sit aside and just hope that there's unity, hope that there's, there's peace within the body of Christ. But what this is communicating to us is that it takes action from the body of Christ pursuing this kind of unity. In fact, church, I think apathy within the body of Christ is one of the greatest threats to the modern church. But we weren't called to simply sit aside and be quiet and, and hope that there's peace. But church family, we are called as the body of Christ to actively pursue the unity of the body. And how do we do it? We do it through demonstrating humility. We do it through demonstrating gentleness, peace, bearing with one another in love. In the same way that God loved us, we love and support each other. Church, one of the, one of the things that I love the most about the church, this isn't in my notes, but it just pops into my head as I, as I share. I went through a season of my life, our students know this, I went through a season of my life where I was just angry. I was just angry at the church. Um, it came from the immaturity that was in my heart. But I remember just being so angry and bitter. And church family, you, do you know what did it for me? I had a group of people in the church that I was in that pursued me with this with humility, with gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. I love that even when we walk through the difficult seasons of, the li of life that we walk through, that we have the body of Christ that's pursuing us with these things. Church family, that is the church of people that are willing to walk with each other through all the different circumstances in life, even if that means getting a little bit dirty ourselves because that's the church and that's what God desires of his people. And then finally, church, I wanna show you one more truth. In verses four through six, we are united by our confession. In verses four through six, it says, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father over all, who is over all and through all and in all. Church family, we must be a people who are united by our confession. It's so important that as we close out this section of text for today, that we recognize that this is not a unity at all costs kind of deal. There are churches out there that teach, if it works for you, then that's great. That is not the unity that the Bible is talking about. The unity that the Bible is talking about is a unity that's in Christ. Do, do you hear this creed here? Uh, one body, one spirit, called to one hope, that's the gospel that belongs to, to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father over all, who is in all, he, he's through all, and he's, who is over all, through all, and in all. I'll get that out eventually. Church family, this is who we are. These, these are the non-negotiables where we are united under those things. That this is who our God is. This is how he saves. This, these are the tenets of Christianity. But church family, I wanna point out too that if we are standing for verses four through six while at the same time neglecting verses two through three, we're in error. 
Church family, it is so easy for us to stand and speak against the, the things of this world, and th that's great, um, but miss out on what verses two through three call us to. Church family, Jesus, as he stood and spoke truth to the onlooking world, he did it with compassion in his heart. He did it with gentleness and humility and patience, bearing with one another. Church family, I wanna challenge you to, 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 to live by both of these in light of the fact that the gospel is the very power of God to save, to make the dead heart alive, to, uh, to create a new family that's under the banner of who our God is, to treat each other with gentleness, with humility, with kindness and patience, bearing with one another as we together stand for the things of God. Yeah. Oh, church family, dream with me. What would this look like? What would it look like if we as the body of Christ resembled this passage? Now I wanna look at something real quick. The last thing I wanna do is stand up here and paint this picture as if this is some type of like utopia that could, that could never really happen. Because I recognize that the difficulties of life are real. And as long as we live in this world, this sinful, sinful world that won't last forever, mind you, but as long as we live in this sinful world, we're gonna suffer. We're gonna, we're gonna suffer just the fact that we live in a fallen world. Sometimes we're gonna suffer because of, we will always suffer because of the gospel that we proclaim. This world gets hard. But I was so drawn to the way that, that Paul introduces this passage in verse one, I therefore a prisoner for the Lord. I find it so fascinating that Paul starts off this letter by saying, I'm a prisoner for the Lord, considering his current circumstances. Paul is in prison. Those are difficult circumstances. But what Paul recognizes in this passage is that he is not a prisoner of Rome, but rather he is a prisoner of our God. And it's because of that, because of that recognition that no matter what the circumstances that Paul may face in this world, i.e. a prisoner in Rome, because Paul recognizes that before anything else, he is a prisoner of the God of the universe, it means that he can treat anyone around him, including the church that he's writing to, with humility, with gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Church family, this morning, I simply wanna call you to more. One of my favorite things about Great Hills, one of my absolute favorite things about Great Hills is this is a very loving church. And I'm so grateful for that. Church family, I wanna call you to actively pursue, regularly pursue the unity of the body of Christ. Do, do you see what Paul is doing here in this passage? This is fascinating to me. What Paul is saying is that this unity that is actively pursued by the body of Christ, what these people are doing, the, the readers, the hearers of Paul's letter, what he's communicating is pursue each other with the gospel. Do, do you hear that? What he's saying in, in, in verses two through, two through three, treat each other with these kind of characteristics. And then verses four through six, he's saying, speak truth. 
stand for truth. The way that the unity of the body of Christ is sought within the body is that we treat each other with compassion, with kindness, with humility. We pursue each other with truth. We're pursuing each other with the same thing that Paul just spent three chapters writing about. When my heart is weary or when I get a little bit prideful, having a body of Christ pursuing me with humility, speaking truth into me so that I would walk in line with the things of God. That's what this passage is communicating, is that we would be a people with patience, with humility in our hearts, with gentleness, pursuing each other with the gospel, the, 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 the things that we do stand for, so that we would then be united as a people who recognize he's God. Church family, I wanna call, I wanna call you to that, to actively pursue each other with the gospel because that's what you were created to do. That's what you were created to do. And here's the, here's the thing that's, that's remarkable about this passage. We get to experience, when we pursue these things, we get to experience others treating us with joy and humility and patience, bearing with one another in love. But here's the other thing. The onlooking world sees that that church is different. You see, church family, the, the onlooking world can look at the church and deny a lot. They can say whatever they want. One thing that the onlooking world can't deny is that church is different. That church is unified. What is it when the onlooking world is pointing at each other and saying, no, I'm God. How dare you offend me? How dare you go crossways with me? What the world knows that. It's normal for the world. But when the onlooking world sees a unified church under the banner of recognizing that he's God, the only logical explanation is that that unity is supernatural. Church family, I wanna be that church. Church family, with all my heart, I wanna experience these things in the body of Christ. And I know you. Church family, I know many of you do too. So church family today, I wanna I want call you to pursue the unity of the body of Christ and then enjoy the benefits of being that church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the day. Thank you for the truth of your word. And Father, I pray that as your words have been taught, your truth has been communicated, Father, that it would transform our hearts to look more and more like Jesus in this world. Father, I pray that for the believer in the room, that, that our hearts would just be softened to the things of God. That, that, that for the believer, that we would, because our hearts are soft, that we would move, move heaven and earth to align ourselves with the, the will of God. For the non-believer that is in the room, God, I'm glad they're here. Father, my prayer is that as they hear the, the truths that are communicated from your word and they see them lived out in action by the body of Christ, that they would say, I want that. Father, as we move into our time of response, by the power and authority of your spirit, God, would you move in the lives of each and every person that's here, mine included. Father, be honored and glorified as we respond in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, church family, as we get ready to sing, this next song is what we call our time of response.
we recognize that whenever the word is taught, it, it leads to response. Um, so we wanna give you guys, intentionally give you an opportunity to do just that and to respond to the teaching of the word. As I prayed a minute ago, it could be for the believer that's here. You may have seen something in, in your life. This is what the, the word of God does. You may have seen something in your life that, that, that you don't think reflects according to the word of God. It doesn't reflect the heart of God well. And you need to come grab somebody at the front and say, hey, here's what, here's what this is that, that, that I've been holding on to that doesn't reflect God well. We'd love to pray with you and then to walk with you through that. You may also be somebody as a believer that, that just says, man, I'm hurting. I'm walking through real stuff in my life. And I need somebody to speak truth into me with compassion and kindness and to walk with me like this passage talks about, that is the church. Church family, if that's you, I wanna call you to come grab one of these pastors or directors that's up front and say, I just need somebody to, to be that. Here, here's the thing, by doing that, you're allowing us to be the church that God has called us to. I wanna give you the freedom to do that as well. But also along with that, I recognize there, there's people in here that are, that, that are not followers of Jesus Christ. Like I prayed a minute ago, I'm glad you're here. It is our great privilege to have you joining us in worship today. My prayer, as I prayed a minute ago, has been and will continue to be that you would hear the truth of God's word and you would see it lived out by these amazing people, the body of Christ that we call Great Hills, and that you would say, I want that. I want what they have. I want that joy. I want that peace. I want those people to walk with me. Um, in, in the difficult seasons of life that I walk through. I wanna challenge you, if that's you, again, come grab one of these pastors or directors and say, hey, I need that Jesus that y'all were talking about today. But whatever that looks like, church, there's a whole myriad of things, responses that we can have to the teaching of the word. I wanna give you the, the, the opportunity to move freely. So as we sing, have that freedom to move and to come grab one of these pastors and to respond to the teaching of God's word today.